Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. All right, man, here we are. First Hello, one. Hey. welcome. Welcome, everybody. It's our very first uh, podcast of... Uh, of our lives right yeah. here. This is it. This is uh welcome. Welcome to a first for all of us. Under the hood. Under the hood. Under the hood. It's Whoa. not something that uh that we actually what was it that we said that this is not a car show. No, this is most definitely not a car show. <laughs> um, I love cars and we're, we're I, not car people. We, no, and what we mean by that is um I don't know how to fix a lot of stuff on the cars. If it wasn't for some guys in the church that have helped me over the years, I'd probably be walking right now. That is so true. That fact, so true. In fact, I, am a, I would call myself a YouTube mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if, if somebody clearly shows me what to do with YouTube, I can do some things. Like, and like you've I, done something. Yeah, I was really proud of myself. I hit a deer one time in my little Volkswagen Jetta. And, and just messed up stuff and radiator a fan was broken and the radiator and all that stuff. And, and it was going to be, oh man, it was going to be $1,500 to fix everything. I thought, you know what? I, I saw a YouTube videos. So I'm going to try it. And I, and I took the whole front end of the car off. It took me like two months to do this, but I ordered all the parts. So proud of myself. I put it all back together and I was looking at like, I had just, I just, I felt like Tom Hanks when he built the fire on the island. He goes, look what I've created. <laughs> I, I thought, look what I've done. And, and I kid you not, I, I took it for a drive and I was just going to drive up to the church and back and I hit a deer on the drive. <laughs> Another and, one. Yeah. The, the, there was a deer that caused the damage to begin with. And then I'm not... I'm not five minutes into a drive and I hit another deer smashes the front of the car again. I couldn't believe it. I drove it home. I just wanted to roll it down the hill at that point, but (laughs) I fixed it again. I do remember all the car parts laid out in the garage and like labeled. And I even took a picture of it because I was pretty impressed, but I know you didn't want to miss one bolt or one piece and you wanted to make sure that everything was exactly so you when you put it back together it would not fall apart that is true but when we say under the hood we're not talking about fixing cars we're talking about basically verbiage we use here at the church Mm -hmm. we we say that all the time like you're under the hood now Mm -hmm. and i think um our the, the reason why that language resonates with us is because you know uh there's aspects of church that you know the whole church sees um and there's parts that that they don't see and like when you look at a car I mean, you look at a car and you're like, oh man, the paint job looks great. All oh, those tires are really cool. And like, oh, I'd love to have that car. I mean, you can say those things, but until you really get under the hood, you don't know what that car is made out of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's kind of like that with the church, you know, um, you know, people have an impression of church and they see what it's like and they may even think what it's like to work at a church and, oh, that'd be fantastic to work at a church. But it's not until you get under the hood. That's where things get messy. That's where you're dealing with oil leaks. That's where you're dealing with the real problems with the car. And so when people come and join our staff, I had some things we say, it's like, hey, you're under the hood now. You're going to see some things that you've never seen before. And are you ready for this? And so when we were trying to think of names for our podcast, we thought, why don't we just call it under the hood? We talk that way anyway here at the church. Mm-hmm. And what Kirsten and I want to do is we want to help anybody listening listening to us get under the hood, just get a little bit more involved in ministry and what it's like to lead a church and and um, and all that stuff. So that's why it's called under the hood. Well, and we both are church kids. I'm a church kid, a true church kid, and you're a pastor's kid. And so growing up in the church, there's not there's not as many things as you get under the hood. But my parents were 
uh, involved in the church, served in the church. My dad was an elder in the church, so I grew up going to church. But um, there's not many things when you're involved in the church in that level that you see. But this is definitely something that a different angle. Of, no, no, of it's sorts. a it's a front row seat. We yeah. want you to have a front row seat. We want you to know what it's like to be under the hood in the church. And let me tell you, under the hood is a good place, and um, a lot of great things happen under the hood. It's just a unique perspective. But yeah, like Kirch was saying, I grew up in the church too. My my father was a pastor for over fifty years, and in fact, he is the greatest Christian. I have ever known in my life. I aspire to be like him. Um, we had a great relationship. My father went to heaven a couple of years ago. Can't wait to see him again one day. That's the hope we have as Christians. We get to be together one day forever. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in this world. I grew up watching my dad do the same job that I do today. So I, I, I came into ministry with eyes wide open. Um, I knew what I was getting myself into. There hasn't been a ton of surprises from that point of view of, of this. I saw my dad go through many of the similar things. Now, obviously in ministry, there's surprises every single day, but, um, but I knew what I was getting. I knew the world I was moving into. I knew the calling on my life and I had a great example in my dad. So, uh, it's, it's a unique thing. I mean, um, we both grew up in the church. We love the church. Um, and we're both serving together in the church, which is really unique too. And we have two boys that we've raised in uh, the church and that are serving in the church. So we have a perspective, a little bit perspective from their point of view of serving and enjoying what they get to do right. and hopefully enjoying being preacher's kids. But yeah. that's a little you know, scary. Some of the um, things that we talked about early in life when we first got married and um, when we thought, talked about having children, we did not want our kids to have the typical preacher's kids experience. We've just seen way too many preacher's kids walk away from their faith. And whether that be because uh, their parents were way too involved in the church or a dad that neglected their children because his first love was the church. We didn't mm -hmm. want those experiences. And, and man, I'd say those are real challenges. I mean, that's not to throw shade at anybody no. who have sold their lives out to serving the Lord. I'm not doing that. But sometimes the, the wake of serving the Lord um, is where you find the family. And uh, we, we pray often that we don't want to burn. Trying to find that balance. Yeah, it's tough. We're going to talk about those things in this podcast because mm -hmm. it extends beyond ministry. I mean, we're talking about just family life. We're talking about real life stuff. Doesn't matter if you're a preacher in a church or you are, you know, uh, you work at Walmart or you work at wherever. I mean, you have to balance your work life and your home life and and keep everything in check. Um, but ministry presents some very unique challenges because you are devoted to serving the Lord and you're devoted to being a good dad. And sometimes those things are hard to balance. I got friends all over the country that are trying to walk that fine line of balance, and some are winning and Many are not, mm -hmm. and um, but you know I'm I'm thankful right over this point. Our two boys they love serving in the church. They mm -hmm. they're both on the tech team here at the church, and 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 uh, it's been nice. We don't have to you know you know hound them to come to church. I remember I was really pleased one time uh, we had the weekend off, and um, and uh, just the way it worked out. This rare, this hardly ever happens. But I was actually at at home here in Bella Vista, but I wasn't going to be. I had the weekend off. I was on vacation. Mm -hmm. And uh, our boys went ahead and on their own, came over to the church to serve. And I remember going, man, they're putting me to shame. Here we're on vacation. We're mostly, let's take the day off. And uh, and they went to church to serve. I love it. Mm -hmm. I, it was, I love it. I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for that. I pray and hope that never changes. But, for sure. But yeah, we've got a lot of ministry experience coming into this conversation. And um, we're living it as we're talking about it. Yep. And we don't always make the right decisions, but God's grace is good. And I'm looking forward to having this outlet, this podcast where we can talk about our faith very openly. So many people these days are getting into 
podcasting and listening to it. And one of the things that we want to do is we'd like to we'd like to present Christ and talk about him openly and talk about him in every format and venue possible that that we have. And I mean, what a great way to do this as I hope our hope is that, you know, our people in our church and whoever happens to listen to this will just, you know, as they're on their way to work, they'll, they'll listen to this thing on their way home from work, you know, as they're working out, as they're going for a walk, that they'll just make it a habit to, to listen to this. And, and we talk about our faith and, you know, I know we're going to talk about our family. We're going to talk about the things that we're experiencing. We're going to talk about ministry. I hope that we can give you a new perspective of, of, or a side of the church that is, is incredible, but it may not be obvious to the, to the naked eye if you're not in leadership. We're also going to talk about current events. Uh, Kirsten and I, we, we, uh, we try to stay up as best as we can. <laughs> um, it's overwhelming at times, but you know, in this podcast, you're going to hear us talk about stuff maybe in pop culture, news, um, things going on in the world, politics for sure. You know, we're going we're to talk it all, but we want to talk about it from a Christ-like perspective. Um, you know, how should a Christian think about such things or what is the Christian perspective or maybe you call it the worldview of Christianity because as a Christian you see the world through godly lenses at least that's what we're supposed to be we are called to be holy people we're supposed to act like and you know and take on the attributes of our savior Jesus so what does it look like to approach the world through those lenses i hope this podcast helps you see the world through Christian lenses as we're trying to live them out. Not perfect for sure, but trying to live it out. Um, I hope you get to learn a little bit about us. You know, as our church grows larger, you know, many people feel a little disconnected from their pastor. I do not want to be disconnected from the people, but how do you, how do you, you know, how do you take a church our size and, and, and where everybody gets to know you and you, you know, this is a venue that hopefully our church family can say, I, I think I know a little bit about my pastor. I, I know him better than most. Well, and maybe you're not part of our church and you're just listening to just get to know us better. Or maybe you knew us um, from a ministry that we've served together before somewhere else. So we hope that you will get something from what we share here with uh, Under the Hood. Hey, so I want to talk to you about something you said in a recent message um, about parents making their kids go to church. Yeah, I remember and that. It's, yeah. um, it can be pretty controversial for parents not understanding how to do that, but I loved what you said. So first, let's listen to the clip, and then we'll talk about it. I get asked from time to time, and maybe I've had this conversation with you, um, but I've had parents ask me, should I make my children go to church? And I'm just going to tell you my answer. If you ask me today, I'll tell you the same answer. If you ask me 10 years from now, I'll give you the same answer. If I'm still alive 50 years from now, you'll get the same answer. The answer is yes. In my opinion, you should make your kids go to church. You should force them to go to church for the same reasons you make them take a shower. Because they need it. Even when they don't think they need it, you as a parent know it's for their good. So that's my challenge to you. That's my opinion. I can tell you this, that as your pastor, and I know many people in this church family share this opinion, but as your pastor, we want to create a church that is so awesome, so meaningful, so relevant, so real, that you're never going to have to force them to do it. They're going to want to be here. In fact, they may drag you to church one day. I love that. 
you well, thank you. The same reason why you make them take a shower. I loved that. I mean, that's to me, that's the perfect analogy for parents to understand the reason why it's so important to say, get up, we're going to church. Yeah, I I'll tell you that that's something that's near to my heart because, you know, I, I think it's I think why that's so strong in me. Well, there's a lot of reasons why that's so strong in me. But, you know, I deal with the other end of that conversation. You know, I, I've talked to many, many people all throughout my ministry career of um, people who um, stopped going to church when they're right. young or their, fa- you know, their family stopped or, or when they got their driver's license and their parents, like you can do whatever you want to do. And they chose not to do it. And later in life, they, they're kind of like, that wasn't a good move. That was not a good move. And sometimes, sometimes we have these conversations when they have kids of their own mm-hmm. and they're like, I want my children to have some, you know, some church. I want them to have some Christian foundation, mm-hmm. Well, that comes from somewhere. And I, I've just seen too often where, where uh, parents take the back seat on this decision. Right. And I really don't think they should take the back seat. I, I think they should, I'll tell you, there's um, probably where this hit me front and center was I was, I was an eighth grader. And, uh, of course I told you already, my father was a preacher, so there were no choices in going to, I was going to church. I mean, there was, I never woke up one day of my childhood right. wondering if we were going to church that day. Right. It never even crossed my mind. But I remember when this all maybe started to make sense and, and, or at least this, what I'm about to share with you, I, I think grounded some thoughts in me when I was in the eighth grade. All I did was play soccer. I played soccer more than any other organized sport in my life. And um, in the eighth grade, uh, we did, did you not... know I played soccer too. Oh, I, I did know you played we soccer. We both played soccer. We were soccer players. That's why we just loved... not on the same team. Never. We're well, on the same team now. That's right. Um, but I was in the eighth grade. Uh, our school didn't have soccer, so everybody played in clubs and youth leagues and things like that. Well, there was a Premier League that you had to try out, and it was kind of known in the area. Oh, the best of the best! And I'm like, I'm trying out for that soccer team. And I remember after the tryouts, there's multiple days of tryouts, and then they published a list. And man, one of the happiest days of my life up to my eighth grade year was being on that list. Mm. I made the team. I couldn't be more excited. And then they handed us the schedules mm. of all the games, and wouldn't right. you know it, there was a we had a game every. Every Sunday morning. I can't and I, imagine what your dad said. <laughs> oh, you can imagine what he said. He took one look at it. He said, not going to nope. happen. And I remember I said, no, dad, please. And I, I remember trying to reason this out with him. Dad, it's just three or four months. You need a Saturday night service That's, back then. We did need a Saturday night service <laughs> back then. But it was just three or four months. And 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 uh, it was not that big a deal. I'm a Christian. You know what I believe, dad? And, and uh, no, he stood his ground. And right. he said, no. We were going to church mm-hmm. and there's not any soccer team that's going to be more important. Sports are not more important than going to church and worshiping the Lord. Now, yeah. you know how much I appreciate that stand today? Right. Now, as an eighth grader, I thought my life was over. For but, sure. you know, how could you keep this from me, dad? You're being mean. You know what, though? Today, I deeply respect that decision. And it was for my good. Well, he made it a priority. And there's so many times now parents don't make church a priority. And so then soccer becomes a priority or basketball or camping or whatever. That's right. And you know, honestly, when I hear these stories about where, you know, adults later will say, well, I stopped going to church in junior high. Mm-hmm. Usually that's because the parents stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm challenged. It's why I challenged in that sermon. I, we didn't hear it in that clip, but earlier I challenged our parents and our grandparents to set the example of what faithful um, church attendance look like because the younger generation needs to see what that faithfulness looks like. Um, So no, I I stand by what I said. I don't think you should give your kids a choice. I think parents lead the charge. They should not take the back seat to this. 
And you got to think of it like this. You are planting seeds into the hearts of your kids. Mm -hmm. And you may not always see the fruit of that. You may not see that seed sprout. I mean, they may, you know, I, I know, I mean, it breaks parents' hearts. And, and I and I talk to families right here in our church, every minister I've ever had where they're like, my kids aren't following the Lord. But you know what? You had them in church every week. The good stuff's planted For down sure. in there. The seeds it, are it's, there. It's God who waters that seed. And there's going to come a time, I truly believe, that uh, you keep praying for your adult children, that seed will grow. Now, I hope that's not because crisis comes in their life. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it takes crisis for somebody to, to look back to Jesus. But they can they know where to look because that seed's already, that's already been planted deep. So, you know... Um, I grew up, too, yeah. where I, it wasn't ever in question. We went to church every single weekend. Um, and my I saw my parents serve in the church. I started serving in the church. And when you're serving and you're worshiping, it's one of those things that um, now you have people depending on you and it's great for your family. And so your kids start seeing that. And we've seen that also in our kids, like they saw us serving in the church. Now they're serving in the church and they're worshiping at church every weekend. And it's not in question of, are we going to church? And I know that so many families had a really rough time that transition after COVID coming mm -hmm. back and getting back into that routine oh, yeah. and kind of breaks my heart. Cause there were several families that right before COVID they're like, we're back. We finally decided January one, we're going to be here every weekend. And then we shut things down in March for, you know, who knows? I forget how many months that we weren't physically here, but getting back online and watching and then trying to come back every single weekend. And that never happened in my lifetime, you know, up until 2020. And so it's been hard for parents to get back into that routine, but that that's a huge challenge right now to make sure you make that a priority and get back together as a family, worship an hour, serve together for an hour. That's right. Well, the, the bottom line is we're talking about priorities. Yeah. You know, there are so many things in this world that's vying for the attention of your kids. Um, you, you have heavy competition as a parent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, electronics are a huge competition. Sports are a huge competition. School is a huge competition. Like, you know, when we were kids, the school system, even the public school system, they respected Sundays and they respected Wednesdays. Wednesdays. You yeah. never had, like I never had a, a sports practice last you know, in long enough that it interfered with church on a Wednesday. Nobody dreamed about scheduling anything on Sunday. Yeah. There was some kind of general respect. But if you want to talk about the de degradation of our culture, you want to talk about the, you know, how you know, our world seems to continually drift farther and farther from anything that looks like the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's one place you can look at mm -hmm. there. There are no, the, the school system, um, the public, the organ organizers of these youth leagues, they're no longer respecters of mm -hmm. anything Christian. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, um, you know, Hey, we're going to be on a travel baseball team and you're going to be gone every weekend. And they are not thinking about church. You as a parent mm -hmm. have to take the lead and say, no, church is going to be a priority. You cannot, you cannot lay up and say, well, you know what? He really wants to play and really wants to play baseball. I'm sorry. Your kid's six years old. There are no pro scouts at that six-year-old baseball game. For sure. There, there's not. But well, what's cool, sorry to interrupt, but what's cool is uh, a little story about our son, Neil. He's a senior this year, and um, he has started into some mixed martial arts, and he's in wrestling. And um, he came to me the other day and said that he's got his schedule all planned out. Monday, he's doing this. Tuesday, he's doing this. And, and then Thursday, he's doing this. And I said, so they're not doing it on Wednesday. He goes, no, I got youth group. I can't do it then. And I was like, oh, 
we didn't force him to do that. We didn't, he didn't come discuss that with us. He, he made that decision on his own without even consulting us or talking to us because he's obviously made that a priority in his life. And I'm super proud of him for that. So that's, you know, something, a testament to the student ministry and what they're doing. But it's also, it's like, Hey, he's been doing this for every Wednesday for how many years? And he, he's not going to let a little mixed martial arts or a little wrestling, you know, come in between that. That's, that's, he's reserved that for that time. And there's these foundational biblical principles for why this is such an important thing. I mean, the Bible clearly says that do not neglect the assembling of yourself together. Mm -hmm. You know, don't forsake that. Don't, this is such an important that we see the church gathering, you know, in the early church. I mean, being together was a huge piece of your walk with Jesus. We, we need to come together and have that corporate worship, that fellowship time, you know, experience that koinonia, the best that we can of, of this whole experience. So what about online worship? Well, COVID definitely changed the landscape of that there, didn't it? I mean, I mean, how many churches uh, back in March of 2020 were thrown into, we, we got to figure this out. You know, my favorite, you know, there's been all kinds of memes about, uh, you know, what happened um, when all these churches tried to figure out how to live stream their services. Now, now thankfully here, at New Life, um, we were already well invested into that arena. We had been broadcasting live our services for a couple of years. So the transition from uh, physical gatherings to temporarily going to online gatherings only, um, that wasn't that difficult for us. But a lot of churches did. And I, I, I don't know if I should say this in this form or not, but I saw this one meme in March of 2020. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was, I should say, it was a picture of... Um, of, of, of a pastor trying to set up his cell phone to try to online stream the service <laughs> and not knowing what he's doing. And the caption just said, good luck pastors this weekend, trying to make your church service not look like a bin Laden terrorist video. Oh my and word. I thought, Oh my goodness, a hostage video. And I oh thought, dear. Oh, and you know, and maybe that's just borderline wrong, but I, <laughs> the frustration was there and it was some low quality stuff, but, but you know, you ask the question, what about online? Can online be a replacement? So like, if you like, well, hey, if they're, if they're going to choose to go to soccer and, and stuff are like, is, the family's going to say, well, we've got online church. We can, we can just watch online on the sideline of the soccer game. And, and so that's why I'm asking. I'm, I mean, I guess a little devil's advocate of we offer online worship and we have an online campus. We have several people, I, I would say several hundred people that join us online yeah, for all over that the campus because either they can't come, they can't physically be here um, because of sickness or something. But it, what about the family who's got soccer games? Is that a reason to go to online campus? You know, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm thrilled that we have an online, that we broadcast our services. You know, something that we're looking to develop is an online campus, you know, at our church, you know, and maybe more of this is a conversation for another day, but what is the online service? I mean, primarily for us, it's a huge front door. Mm-hmm. I mean, people today, they don't look for churches the traditional way, you know, back in the day when we were kids, well, you know, if you're in a moving to a new area, you're looking for a church, you, you, you go visit that church. And then when the internet all came about, all these churches start having websites. So people start looking at the website mm-hmm. and decide, do I want to go visit the church? Now, today, people are looking at your social media footprint and they're making judgment calls. No, hardly anybody that I know of anymore looks for a church because, oh, we just drove by and we're going to you know, check it right. out. No, they're, they're going to check you out online. So for us, our online service is a huge front door for us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I put, Really, most of the time, 
I meet a first time guest and be like, hey, it's your first time with us. And they usually say, well, it's our first time here. We've been watching for yeah, months. For sure. So it's, it's a big front door. It, it serves its purpose there. Yeah. It also is a wonderful alternative if you, if you can't be here, like if you're sick or right. we've got plenty of shut-ins here at the church and, and, uh, or but you miss out on a lot oh, when you you're do. online you do. because your kids, I mean, I'm talking specifically about like elementary, junior high kids. The camaraderie that they get of being with other kids Absolutely. their age, having that small group, because we're a groups-driven church here in Northwest Arkansas, but having that camaraderie together with other, you know, fourth graders, fifth graders, they miss out on that if they're not sitting down in a circle sharing, you know, what God did for them in their life this week and how they can learn, you know, how to trust God no matter what and stuff like that. So you might be getting something or making church a priority online, but if they're not here with other fifth graders, fourth graders, whatever grade, and if you're not gathering together, um, you are missing out on something, plus the whole other side of things of serving. There's something powerful being with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't hug somebody through a computer screen or a TV screen. I mean, you can't shake somebody's hand. You, you can't You can't have that personal interaction, and we need that personal. Sure. If COVID taught us anything, it taught us we need that personal interaction. The church, we just need each other. We thrive other. on that. So, so, I mean, to get back to your question, could online serve as an alternative to say, hey, we're going to go play baseball all summer long. Mm -hmm. We'll catch up with you in the fall, but we'll be watching online. Well, I guess, you know, that's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. But I really think it comes down to a conversation about priorities. Yeah, for You know, sure. what is the most important thing? I'm thrilled we have it. I think our team does an incredible job. I think our online services is a great representation of what we do. But um, is that really um, is that really a replacement for worship? And I think I think for those folks, like like you mentioned a minute ago, we have people from all over the country. Man, Chris just the other day showed me a geo map mm -hmm. of all the people in the country that watch our services live in the moment. Right, and I was blown away. And I want to hope and I want to believe that a lot of those people watching is because a They've really struggled to find a local church, mm -hmm. but they've identified or connected with us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is what's happening right now for them. Uh, we welcome those people. Yeah. Um, maybe there's just not a biblical church. I mean, the more and more <laughs> I do this. That's so true. I realize there's we a lot of churches that. Time. Yeah, there's we get tons of people that come over. It's like my, my church just walking away from the Bible completely. And there may not be a biblical church within well, driving what distance. We've heard recently, I just met a family who they live in California and they're watching our service every weekend because they don't have a church. Uh, in their area that right. teaches truth. And so they're like, this is our church until we move to Northwest Arkansas. It might be a couple more years till he can retire, mm -hmm. but this is our church. But I mean, getting back to um, our original focus here, as far as um, should parents make their kids go to church? I think yes. if you've gotten out of the habit of going to church, uh, Challenge yourself, challenge your family, challenge, you know, your friend who has maybe gotten out of the habit and that was something that you guys or they were doing and, uh, and get back in the habit of yeah. being in a church every weekend. Isn't and serving. it, isn't it one of the easiest things to reverse a trend on? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you, I mean, literally how hard is it? I mean, we've kind of gotten out of the habit. So just change. I mean, it's like, okay, <laughs> we, we haven't been in church in months or, you know, you know, the national average is like 
1.2 to 1.4 times a month that right. the average Christian family is in church. You know how easy that is to change? Mm-hmm. Just change your habit. Just I, I'm going to start going. Draw a line Every in the sand. Weekend. You know, and say, hey, from this point forward, we're we're gonna we're gonna change the trajectory we've been going. So if you find yourself in that rut or that pattern, like oh, we've been in the church, whatever, um, it's so easy to change. Just decide to do it. So that's that's my thought. I really think it comes down to priorities. What is going to be the number one in your life? Is it the Lord? Is it uh, walking with him daily? That's the priority. Okay, so you just started the hugely anticipated new series, Exodus. Actually, it's called Rescued, the study of Exodus. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people have been looking forward to that series just because you had done a series earlier this year um, on Genesis and was... I mean, people just loved it. And if you didn't hear that series, you should go back and listen to it because it was just... Yeah, the origin series. Yeah, it was amazing. And everybody learned so much. You're welcome. Uh, Everybody learned so much from it. And so I think they have real high expectations. No, um, uh, hopefully you don't get nervous with that. Are you talking about pressure? Yeah, no pressure there. I eat pressure for breakfast. Oh, my word. I know. Well, I was like, even your, when you write your messages and stuff, you, you thrive under this pressure. And I do not know how you do it because it makes me nervous. But one of the things that I've learned being married to you now for, I don't know, it's forever. 23 years. Um, is that it's harder for you because you, you're given a time allowance for your message. And so I you, stick to it you usually. Don't, ever. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> Never, ever. Um, so I think you shoot for 25 to 30 minutes, but it ends up being around 35, 45 minutes. This, but uh, Not 45, a few times 45. Well, what I've learned is that it's harder for you to shorten a message. So oh, you'll no put doubt. tons and tons of content into your message, and then you have to cut some of it out this is and true. stuff like that. And it, it's, it's harder for you to cut out and make it 25 to 30 minutes than it is just to leave it all Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of people don't realize it's harder to preach a short sermon than it is a long sermon. It definitely is. So the longer it is, the more, like, what are you saying? Yeah, I guess the really long ones, I guess I'm just... put enough work in? I guess the really long sermons, I'm just lazy. I was like, (laughs) I'll just throw it on there, whatever. Not necessarily, (laughs) but I I understand. I know people are excited about this series. I'm I'm just saying that I think that uh, there's there's probably stuff that you, you, we miss... And we don't get um, the content. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the Exodus series and what you're excited about? Well, I'm really excited about continuing the story of Genesis. I, lo- I've, I love I love long series. I love, you know, just digging in. And that, that's not what they teach in Bible college. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, uh, but I think trends have changed. I think. Um, well, content, like having are, spiritual, true biblical teaching. Right. Nobody wants missing. fluff anymore. I right. mean, they, they want, like, preach the Bible. I hear that over and over again. What do they love about our church? We just unapologetically preach You've the Bible. You've never preached a sermon like five ways to be a great Christian. Seven steps to having a happier Monday. You know, <laughs> it's no, it's good. never been like that. I, um, you know, there is always things that don't make it. You know, I was actually, I got, I think everything I wanted to say in this first chapter of Exodus when we started the mm-hmm. series. You know, if I had more time, I would have loved to spend more time talking about those two heroes, the two midwives, mm-hmm. Shipra and Pua. Is that I'm, how you say their names? I don't know. That's how I, I read it. Shippa, Shipra and Pua. I mean, every time, well, every time you say Pua. Pua. <laughs> Pua. Um, I, I, I never really thought about that term right name. now. 
Well, you know, their names means beautiful and splendid. I yeah, mean, well, and that's what they, not really the translation from a third grader. And well, I guess I have what, a third grade mind right now. And I'm specifically <laughs> referring to Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. These two women who defied the king. And when he told them, basically, basically, he told these two midwives, you're going to be my personal assassins. And you are going to, um, when you're helping a Hebrew mother give birth, if it's a boy, you kill it. Now, can you imagine an order like that? That is pure evil. And these two heroic midwives, they were like, no, we're not going to do it. Now, they didn't tell Pharaoh that. But um, they came up with this story about how, you know, Hebrew women are more vigorous than Egyptian women when it comes to giving birth. And they always give birth before the midwives can even arrive. Now, I, you know, I joked in this sermon, like, they lied to his face. Well, I think there was some mistruth happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's just a partial truth and it could very well be because these two ladies were probably in charge of all the midwives mm-hmm. and they probably told him, Hey, don't get there too fast. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they weren't there for the whole thing. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a partial truth or whatnot, but, but they weren't about to follow this, um, this, this Pharaoh's command. Right. And, you know, there is this, um, you know, there is this, um, concept of like really what you're seeing there in the Bible, it's the Bible's very first example of civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Hey, we are going to break the law and honor God's law right. instead. You know, it's the same action that, uh, you know, the apostles early in the book of Acts, like, you know, Hey, we're going to obey God, not me, not you. And that's our highest calling. And so to me, I would have spent, if I had more time, I would have spent a lot more time with these two ladies and really developing that and trying to pull everything out of that. Um, they're the heroes, and I'm. Well, and one of the cool things is is that a lot of you guys don't know Joe has this interest in writing, and he's written a little bit, but nothing's been published. But yeah. you entered a writing contest with a little bit of a short story on this, and so yeah. uh, hopefully we can share that, like in the show notes or something. Your little short story that you entered for that contest. I did. It's about I, them. I did. I, I've um, I've rented. I've I've entered several writing contests. You know, yeah. over the last couple of years, I haven't won. He's anything. a great writer. His stories are oh, incredible. Well, thank you. I well, won you're anything. a great storyteller naturally. Like that's anytime I start a story, you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. Let me tell the story because you're gonna miss all the details. Yeah. And I'm more of a let's you know cut the chit chat. Let's get to it. I'll think about. It. Maybe we'll put that short story. But no, um, after I preached that first sermon, I just kind of got inspired. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna enter the contest. You know, you lose some, and you're like, ah, I'm not good enough. But no, um, you are good. But I am good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, that's a movie quote, by the way. I'm not saying that. I'm actually quoting somebody. Um, I think what that Happy Gilmore. I think that's an Adam oh, Sandler. No, that's an Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore. Now, I am good. Now our podcast will have an E next to it. But uh, no, I just got inspired uh, after church and I sat down and spent a couple hours writing a, uh, a short story mm-hmm. and I called it... Um, uh, beautiful and Splenda, or Splenda, <laughs> not Splenda. You need something no, no, sweet in your life. Beautiful and Splendid yeah. defy a king. Right. And I just kind of write a a narrative, uh, just the narrative of what was really going on with with uh, Shipra and Pua, mm-hmm. and finding themselves in the presence of Pharaoh and getting that awful order, and then choosing to defy it. And I try to take the biblical narrative and write a probable story from that. And I submitted it. We'll see if I win. I'd, I'll know later this week if it was. I, I I'm not expecting to win, so I'll just that. But but maybe I'll think about it. Maybe we'll put it in the show we'll notes put and it there. We'll you think? I, yeah, for sure. All right, I think fine, love fine. That. Hey, fine. We'll put it in the show notes, and uh, you can see my that. short story. You can be the judge. That's right. 
Splendid and beautiful. No, it's like beautiful and Splenda. Splenda. Why am I saying Splenda? Do you need some Splenda in your life? I think I do. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a little sweet. sugar. No, but it's called beautiful and, and splendid. splendid. Yeah. So that's Shipra and Pua. So beautiful and splendid. And, and Pua is P-U-A-H. Correct. And, and I Shipra to, is, is S-H-I-P-R. I need to go find out exactly if that's how it would be said. Well, they're he- that's what their Hebrew name. So I, I didn't even try to put the real. I just said beautiful and splendid. Yeah. Defy a king. So you can judge for yourself. Speaking of king, yeah, we have a new king. We do have a new king. And something you don't know about Kirsten is that she has been following the royal family for years. And she loves all those shows I like do. Downton Abbey and all these things. And she just loves that. I love the royal family. I well, think you, there's something so unique about it and just so interesting I and I think intriguing. you were born in the wrong era. Seriously, no. I I love this. I love learning. I don't I don't naturally like history, but I love learning everything I can about because it's just so unique. Like in our day and age, to have a king or a queen and all the the family line and how that like. It's just beautiful to me. To me, it's something really cool. And and to learn about the former kings and how horrible they were to their wives and had one of them beheaded. And if you don't know much about it, you need to learn about it, King Henry. Anyway, so um, to me, it was just this really sad moment last week. And I can honestly say that I went back to my cubicle and I kind of teared up because I was like, the queen just died. Like that was like, I knew that it was going to happen. For those of you who don't know, I have a grandmother who's the same age as the queen. So I've always been able to keep track how the queen, how old the queen is and how old my grandmother is. My grandmother is alive and lives in Colorado. And um, anyway, she's, she was just a beautiful person. And I love her story about how, um, what I know of her, I obviously never got to meet her. You wouldn't take me over there. Yeah, they, they, um, I called, I called once. I (laughs) I called once. I said, Hey, this is Pastor Joe. We're here to see the Queen. And she's like, Who? Oh, to go to Buckingham Palace and do all those fun, amazing things. But, um, she, she had this really unique faith that people talked about. And I love that about her. Um, she was a quiet person. And so she didn't really, she didn't really have the platform, um, to share her faith, but I believe she probably had a strong faith. And, um, you don't think she, as to being the queen of England, didn't have the platform to share her faith. Well, she was a very private person who I hope the people that mattered the most were her family to well, share I that know faith. that she had some quotes where she's like where she drew all of her strength from the gospel mm-hmm. or the teachings of Jesus. I know mm-hmm. she is on record of saying those things. Yeah. And she was really good friends with um Billy Graham. Yeah, Billy Graham. He had a huge influence in her life and he would visit her regularly. She was he was one of her I like think, trusted Christian advisors. I think what did Franklin Graham put on social media after she died that her father had made five trips to Buckingham yeah. Palace or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Here's something you don't know about Kirsten. So a couple years ago, um, she ordered online a black veil. And I'm like, you know, I'm probably like every husband, like Amazon shows up like what now? <laughs> and, um, and she's like, look what I bought. And it was this black veil. I said, what do you have this black veil for? And she's like, well, when the queen dies, I'm going to mourn with for 10 days. For 10 days. Yeah. That's the, and I, you, you bought a veil just, 
all I can say is we've had this veil in our house for a couple of years. So she could do the 10 day mourning period with, with, um, everybody from England. And for the last couple of days, she has been wearing this. We're going to put some pictures in the show notes. Um, she has been wearing this black. She's put, she just put it on. She just put it on, right? You can't see it. But she is wearing the veil, it's talking into the it's, microphone. It's honoring her. I hope. I hope when I die, you'll wear. One. I am not going to wear a veil for ten days. <laughs> I'm joking. But I will. I will mourn you. I'll tell you what. Let's just grow old together and Aww, not worry about. It. Why don't we just yeah. die at the same time? Yeah, that would work. Okay. Well, that's a weird way to. Well, with that, <laughs> maybe we should bring this to a close. Hey, everybody. <laughs> now you hopefully know a little bit more about us. And, uh, and if you see Kirsten around town and she's got a black veil on her head, well, now you know why. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.